Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You are listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And today we continue our series called Codes for a Healthy Earth, Cultivating Peace with All of Life. The urgent and complex global challenges we face will not be resolved from within the same systems that created them. Today, people of all cultures and ages are rising up around the world to demand a fundamental transformation of how we organize ourselves as a species. Feminine consciousness, wisdom, and leadership are vital ingredients in humanity's evolution into a healthy earth, into a restorer species. You heard that right, restorer species. I'm going to talk about that today because women in sisterhood are poised to take collective action for the environment, for earth and all her inhabitants. Today, we're going to hear from the founder of Tree Sisters and look deeper into our capacity to heal when we experience our natural and nature-connected selves through embodied wholeness. And the beauty is, when we experience our wholeness, we can't help but care deeply for the health and healing of the planet. I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment. Open your heart and mind and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest, Claire Dubois is the founder of treesisters.org. She's an earth-loving social entrepreneur and inspirational speaker with two decades experience coaching business leaders and creating behavior change processes within the personal growth sector. And I have waited a very long time to have her on the show, so I'm really excited to bring her here. Welcome, Claire. Thank you so much. What a glorious introduction. No, thank you. So, Claire, I ha- I do have a tri- typical first question here on the show that you, um, I- I'm really looking forward to hearing your perspective on this. We like to kind of ground our conversation into the whole worldview, into this broader perspective of, of all these conversations. So, I want to ask you if you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you? Gosh, there's a good one to start with. Wow. Let me think for a second. What does all things connected mean to me? It means that there is a greater intelligence that's running the show. It means that there is a sacred impulse that is running through everything, that is threaded through everything, that everything literally is created from the stardust that erupted into being, as Brian Swim says, you know, once we were molten rock, now we're singing opera. Mm. And, um, you know, as an environmentalist, all things literally are connected. You know, I'm constantly saying to people, well, if we want a temperate climate, that means that we actually have to protect the ice and the tropical rainforests. You know, there is no such thing as an ecosystem in isolation. 
every single ecosystem is intimately connected to every other. Every life that has been generated by our miraculous planet has its own purpose. It is intimately woven into the fabric of life. It impacts every other thing. You know, I may not like mosquitoes. I do not like mosquitoes. I think God was having a bad day when he created mosquitoes. But when they start saying, you know, we've created something that could, you know, wipe these out in this area of the world, my brain goes, well, that's great for us, but that's not great for all the other aspects of creation that depend upon those mosquitoes. Every time a species goes extinct, it has a ripple effect. You know, they're... The people don't think of trees as rainmakers. People don't think of trees as as flying sky rivers or even terrestrial rivers. They don't make the link that a tree literally creates rainfall and that the tree roots allow that rain to drain into the aquifers and to become our rivers. That if you remove a tree, you remove water from a system because we don't have joined up thinking in our separated, disconnected, superior to nature worldview, all things are not connected, but they are. So it's a very, it's a very real statement for me, both spiritually and physiologically, materially, all things really are connected. And the sooner we wake up to that, the sooner we can bow in humility before the miraculous creation that our planet is. And the, you know, the, the miracle that humanity is if we would move beyond our conditioning into an awareness of the limitless consciousness that is available to us. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And what a beautiful lead in to really open the story of, of who is Claire and what is Tree Sisters, because your passion is just evident in in every word of that just now. Claire, you had a rather non-ordinary experience of consciousness and Tree Sisters were born. Would you mind sharing the story of, of how Tree Sisters came to be? Well, you know, there's, there's many stages to that story and pretty much all of them were extraordinary. There's two pieces that I'll share because I think they will well, the first especially will resonate with hopefully a lot of people that are listening. And the second was actually how it came to be. The first one was because I was, um, it was kind of when I got over myself initially. And it takes a lot to get over yourself <laughs> when you're as neurotic as I was. Um, I was a loner. I was socially completely shut down, um, frightened of everybody and uh, basically pretty much a recluse. At that point in my life, I just didn't want to be around people. But I was already um, very aware of climate change. This is years ago. This is like 2001, 2002, something like that. Um, because in my 20s, I'd been having dreams of no more clouds, which as an English person, when you're used to it raining every single day, was a really big deal. And I was getting obsessed about the fact that there were going to be no more clouds, which could happen if the Gulf Stream stops going or if we lose our tropical rainforest, which we are. So I was at a workshop and um, it was a dance workshop. It was a five-day thing and it happened over New Year. And at New Year, we were asked to do ritual theater, which is my idea of nightmare. 
and I was going to have to be put up in front of a whole audience and play some role. But they actually asked my little group to play the Rape of the Earth. And I just thought, oh, great, there's the easiest role in the world. I'll just be Earth. I'll just get raped. And so they dressed me up in all of our clothes. There was about seven of us. I was enormous. I looked like a big balloon full of, like, just wrapped in everybody's things. And I was put on a throne, and I was handing out cups of tea. And that's what I did. I just handed out cups of tea because that's what Mother Earth does. She just gives. She just gives and gives and gives. And while I was handing out cups of tea, they raped me. They basically pulled off all my clothes one by one and they fought over me and, you know, they deforested me and they mined me and they poisoned me and they they did everything that we're doing to this planet. And all the time I just kept handing out cups of tea. And then... At some point when I was, I think I was naked except for like a sock or a scarf or something, I did my most blood-curdling scream I could manage and I threw myself on the floor. And I was supposed to be down there until they realized you don't kill your planet and then you put her back together again and you put her on her throne. But whilst I was on the ground, I was going into shock and I could hear this nursery rhyme going round and round in my head. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And it was going round and round. And I was going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. We don't get a second chance. Oh, my God. We don't get to put her back on a throne. Oh, my God. You can't put a planet into therapy. And I was just like this intense shock was descending upon me. And I was going freezing cold. And they picked me up and they put me on my throne and they dressed me again. And I was looking out at the crowd and the crowd were just in they were just crying, like the room was crying. Makes me, it's a guy, I can't tell this mm. story without crying. And, and I, you know, they, they had their little moment and they sat me back down again and we watched the rest of the theater and I couldn't even think. And then they were handing out presents because it was New Year's Eve and somebody handed me this thing and I opened it and it was a little blue book and on the front was a white cloud and inside the cloud was You Can Change the World. Mm. And I started bawling, like bawling my eyes out, you know, the sort of hysterical tears where you have to remove yourself because you, you know you haven't got a hope in hell of stopping it. And I went outside and I could not stop crying. And, and I sobbed for an hour. And during that hour, I got to watch my psyche screaming, I've got to do something for this planet. And then my ego saying, but you're nothing. You can do nothing. Nothing you could do would ever make a difference. Like, how could you ever imagine that you could ever achieve anything, you know, like climb back into your little hole, you piece of scum. And then this, and then my heart would like raise up and just go, but my world is dying. Like I have to give her my life. And then my ego would rise up and who do you think you are? And I was inside this insane battle, which got so much bigger than me. I started to see womankind sitting there saying, but I've got so much to give. And then her fears rising up and saying, no, but I'm nothing. And then I got to see the children with their fears and, and everybody inside this bizarre, like self-deprecating culture that we have on our planet. Meanwhile, our planet dying. And I, I just cried until the part of me that loves this planet came out on top. And came out just saying, well, I will find a way to give my life. And so that was where it changed. And then, like years later, so probably eight years later, I had been working in southern India for an agroforestry initiative. 
um, which I had fallen in love with because it was this unique combination of social justice, environmental sustainability, and spiritual fulfillment. It arose out of an ashram, so it had all the elements that I loved. And I wanted to bring their social strategy to the West. I wanted someone over here to create a consciousness-based reforestation revolution. And I had nailed this strategy finally after all this working with them. And I'd got it down to these seven points. And I was taking it to a communications team in London. And I was going to hand it to them and say, here, here's this idea. Will you do it? And instead, I skidded on ice in my car. I was heading straight for an edge. And a tree stopped me from going over an edge, which is the most amazing metaphor for humanity, for trees stopping humanity going over a climate edge. And... At the point of impact, there was a blinding flash of white light inside the car. And um, inside the white light were two words, the experiment. And I'm looking at these two words and a voice starts talking to me, literally like somebody turned the radio on in the car, male voice. And it said, humanity is running out of time, but it's not over yet. It's going to take everyone rising to the challenge to get through what's coming. The single greatest threat facing humanity is fear of failure. But you can get over fear of failure by calling everything you do an experiment because you can't fail an experiment. You can only learn, which even wrapped around a tree I thought was brilliant. And I said, well, what's the experiment? And back came, you have to reforest the tropics within 10 years. At which point my life flashed before my eyes. My whole past all added up. And then I had this glimpse into my future and I saw this me up on stage as a global leader running, uh, running the campaign that I was about to try and give to somebody else. And I went into complete shock and I basically said, no, I'm terribly sorry. You've got the wrong person. You cannot ask me to be a front person. It's like turning me inside out. And the voice just ignored me and it carried on. And it basically said, you have to mobilize the women. The women are the missing piece. Women are the womb carriers and earth is womb. Women understand the cycles of life and death that happens in their bodies every month. And it went on to talk about, you know, feminine consciousness and uh, cycles and seasons and how what's happened to nature has happened to women, that we share a common history, um, that our species has become completely dominant, that it overrides all the cycles of life, that it's an out-breath culture. There's no more in-breath, that the in-breath has to be reinstated that my project was called Tree Sisters. It was a crowdfunding mechanism that I had to make it as normal to give back to nature as it currently is to take nature for granted. That's what we call the shift from a consumer species to a restorer species. And it ended with, you have to make, feminine consciousness has to be reinstated or it's over. That's how it ended. Women have to remember who and what they are. Feminine consciousness has to be reinstated or it's over. And that was the end of the transmission. And that was the beginning of Tree Sisters. That was literally the codes for Tree Sisters, the, what I call the original operating instructions. Mm. And then where well, you can say the rest is history, really. Yeah, the rest is history and the rest is um, continuing to expand and evolve and offer a, a really beautiful and effective solution as you continue, I love the idea that you are working to reforest the tropics within the next 10 years in a variety of ways. So 
you started with an old Kickstarter and now you you are you have created a platform that makes giving back as normal as taking. So tell us about the structure and the platform. How does Tree Sisters work? And I know you have a lot of different ways people can give and different projects that you serve through Tree Sisters. Well, Tree Sisters is what we call a two-trunks tree. It is part feminine empowerment, which is the whole women have to remember who and what they are, and it's part tropical reforestation. Another way of looking at it is it's part in-breath, part out-breath. It's part consciousness shift and behavior change. How do we move beyond our fears? How do we come back into connection with nature? How do we start to bring nature's intelligence through our own psyches? How do we become nature-based solutions or what we call start to embody feminine nature-based leadership or the leadership that comes through us when we are in direct connection with nature's intelligence. That's, that's half of it. And that's courses and tools and meditations and gatherings and retreats. And it's, a, it's very virtual. We're all over the world. We're in about 200 countries now, over 200 countries. And, and this is a culture that we're creating that is about calling forth the highest expression of each other. And it's women-focused, but it's not just women at all. There are a lot of men inside of Tree Sisters. And so that in-breath is about deepest reconnection to who and what we are so that our out-breath or how we live is a reflection of connection. And that connection to me is the feminine principle. So when you talk to the indigenous peoples of um, Central America, they will actually say, that feminine consciousness is the consciousness of life and connection to life, the consciousness of nature. And so um, for the masculine to make sense in this world, feminine consciousness has to be reinstated. And I really started to understand that because the masculine is our active principle. It reflects how it, you know, it manifests in how we live and how we create and how we build and how we grow. But if it's rooted, or if it's not got a root, a living root at all, if its foundation is dominance rather than intimacy, if its foundation comes from misalignment or disconnection or lack of relationship, then our actions will make no sense in relationship to life. And that's the situation that we find ourselves in with patriarchy or the death of patriarchy as it is now. The patriarchal system has been built on the death of life and the suppression of the feminine, which is why we have an economic system that requires the death of nature in order to exist. So half of Tree Sisters is, is that deeper inner work of steering us home or coming home to who and what we actually are as part of nature so that our behaviors naturally default back to caretaking our planet because it is an abnormal state to destroy your life support machine. That is not a natural way of being. We would, if we were in right relationship with our planet, we would be living in a way that helps it thrive so that all of life thrives. That is a reflection of honoring the feminine principle. That is a masculine that is honoring the feminine principle. So the masculine principle in Tree Sisters is very much normalizing reciprocity, everybody giving back, in which case we take funds on a monthly basis for those people who are willing to take responsibility for pumping carbon into the atmosphere and warming our world, which we're all doing, and the fact that we're all taking all the time and barely any of us are giving back. And we're normalizing sacred reciprocity. We're normalizing reciprocity with the natural world. And we do that by 
funding tropical reforestation. So right now we have eight very, very unique projects around the world in, let me see, Brazil and Cameroon, Kenya, Madagascar, India and Nepal. That's six countries. We've got eight projects, two in Madagascar and two in India. We're bringing on Mozambique next week. The month after that, I think we're bringing on a project. I'm crossing fingers, toes and everything because I'm falling in love with this project in Amazonia, which is right on the border between um, Brazil and Peru. And then we're also looking at a couple of projects in Indonesia. So we're growing right now. And, and what we do is we gather up the funds that come in from all our supporters, and then we send them out on a quarterly basis to these organizations. Because what these organizations need is regular, dependable funding so that they can plan and do capacity building on the ground. They know that funding is coming. They know they can pay the wages of their, you know, of their workers. And they know how many trees they can start planning for. Um, so this is, it's a really beautiful model with the in-breath and the out-breath, like understanding that the root of our deep connection to self, other, and nature underpins how we live in this world, which is actually very core to the codes. You know, it's very core to the codes at the same mm -hmm. time. Like, you, why would we be choosing to create a system that destroys life? when we could create systems that reflect the highest aspirations of the human heart and the human soul and our longing and our body's requirement for clean air, clean water, you know, soil and weather that works, why would we be consciously colluding with or condoning a system that is going in the opposite direction on all fronts? It makes no sense. It's crazy. So um, that's Tree Sisters, essentially. Mm, beautiful. So before we take a break, which we're going to do here just real shortly. Um, if you are interested in supporting Tree Sisters and learning more, go to treesisters.org. You'll see many ways that you can get involved. Just like Claire had mentioned, there's the feminine empowerment, all kinds of opportunities there, and also give back so that your giving back makes a different on, difference on the planet. Claire, thank you. That was beautiful. We are going to take a, a break. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. When we get back, we're going to muse into understanding the codes for healthy earth and how Tree Sisters and other organizations that you may be supporting are so in alignment with this whole systems change on the planet. We'll be right back. listening to Empower Radio, an entire radio station devoted to your personal development, expanding your conscious awareness, and empowering positive change. Meet our hosts and listen online at EmpowerRadio.com, on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, or iTunes, or download the Empower Radio app for your smartphone or tablet. It's free in the App Store, and it lets you listen to our shows and podcasts on demand. Empowering people, empowering change. Empower Radio, online at EmpowerRadio.com. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, in math, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. Trash. 
In the gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In biology, in English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today. The only thing I didn't learn today. The only thing I didn't learn is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Okay, Simon, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. And what do people normally wear? Clothes. Exactly. So now Mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Clothes keep us warm, they look good, and if we go out without them, the neighbors will talk. So it's important to know how to get dressed. Here's how it's done. Underwear always comes first, name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole, or you have to start all over. If you're wearing a tie, it goes over, round, round, through, and pull tight. Tuck your shirt into your pants and zip up your flap. Socks go in first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you left with bunny ears. I love bunnies. Good to know. Now remember, spots don't go with stripes, socks don't go with sandals, and if you've tucked in your shirt, wear a belt. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Hi, this is Josh Groban. My favorite thing about music is its ability to inspire and nourish the soul. That's why I'm proud to work with Feeding America, an organization that inspires hope for families in need and helps nourish the 16 million kids in this country struggling with hunger. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and helps get it to kids in need, but they can't do it alone. Find out how you can help at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Radio to inspire, encourage, and empower you. This is Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. So I want to just remind you that the Codes for Healthy Earth were co-initiated by Shelley Ostroff and Jan Golding with Together in Creation. The creation of the document was a collaborative process with leaders from diverse sectors in over 30 countries. The framework can be freely adopted by any group or movement as a collective compass for coordinated citizen-led action toward the healing and regeneration of the planet and all its inhabitants. So please go to codes.earth, www.codes.earth earth to learn more and endorse the codes and i am here with claire dubois founder of tree sisters you can go find out so much more about tree sisters at treesisters.org so claire welcome back to the second half thank you again for bringing this wisdom and as i was 
was just reflecting on what we've talked about so far and your vision, your mission, your work, and making it real on the ground. I'm just in such gratitude for the simplicity of your model and yet the effectiveness of your model. So thank you for birthing Tree Sisters. I know it's no. uh, it's a big baby, girl. <laughs> well, it's a very big baby. Oh, indeed it is. And I know you are in full alignment. You could have written the codes for a healthy earth yourself. One of the things I would like to do as I was just sitting here reflecting is that the declaration has three really beautiful um, pieces. And I'd like to just read each of them individually and just have you kind of muse into that with me because I know um, you're in full alignment with all the principles. There's everything um, that you stand for is really written in the breath of yeah, all the all codes. In there. Yeah, it's, it's all, in, all there. in there. Before yeah. we do that, can I just yeah. say one thing? Sure, um, absolutely. Because the, the first advert that came on about the children's bullying just blew me away, like in the gap between us talking. And I was just like, it was like a sucker punch. It was just like, oh my God. And I just wanted to say, well, first of all, like, oh my God, what an advert. But the second thing was, you know, we stand at the most, like if we're alive now, we're alive at the most extraordinary time in our planet, like in our species, our species, like, history right now this 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 moment where we get to redefine ourselves where we get to rewrite a human story where we get to let go of the momentum that has been driving the destruction of our world and recreate ourselves anew and you know i was horrendously bullied at at school like i so related to what i just heard and i and i know that whether you were or weren't bullied Every single one of us is carrying belief systems that say we're less than, that when we have glorious ideas that fill us up and have us feel fully alive, it's only a matter of time before our conditioned self turns around and says, no, you're not good enough. You know, these are all the reasons why you're going to fail. And I just wanted to say, you know, I went from being crippled with all of that stuff to now running a global organization that's just passed our six millionth tree in the ground. And that's, you know, the trees have only been going in the ground since 2015. And if I can do that from where I was, a standing start with no experience, no idea how to make this dream come true. I felt like when I had that car crash, they'd just got the wrong person on every level. You know, life believes in us way more than we believe ourselves. And it doesn't whisper dreams in our heads for no reason. If it's whispering to you, it's because it knows you better and it knows what you're capable of. And it knows that your dreams carry in them all the pathways home to your fullest expression of self. And none of us want to live a half-life. None of us really are going to be satisfied with not bringing our gifts. And so what this time on our planet does is it gives us all the permission we could ever want to just have a go and give it our all so that when the children turn around and say, you knew this was coming, what did you do? You can say, I did everything. I gave it my all. I tried everything. Those are the lives that we get to live now. So to everybody out there that's sitting there with roaring insecurity and not believing in themselves and, you know, believing all the crap that's just not true, it's just not true. The truth is hmm. you're miraculous and brilliant. 
because you are a sacred aspect of life and you're made of this planet and she's brilliant as well. So there's no more excuses really to, to buy into the stuff that we tell ourselves. And there's every reason to throw our whole souls into the miraculous unfolding that is being offered to us in this moment. I just needed to say that. Thank you. Mm, beautiful. So, yes, the voice of that sacred impulse is running through you in this moment. And I just want to bring that back because you had mentioned that that sacred impulse at the beginning of the show. And I know as you work with women, um, the women protect, serve, and create life, right? But huh. also looking at this sacredness, I just want to, I just want to expand on where you're at right now because it's so important to me and my work as well is that this is our time for that embodiment of that sacred impulse to really trust that the divinity that's within. And when we're doing that, all of life is sacred. The trees are sacred. The clouds are sacred. The water is sacred one another we are all sacred so i really appreciate you just pausing into that and telling that story and hopefully that will catch the ear of just the right person that needs to hear that message today as they're listening so thank you for that claire mm, pleasure yeah and switching switching gears is um it seems like the show could be complete right there because that was such a powerful message. Thank you for that. But let let us do turn our ear toward the um, codes for a healthy earth. There's some really important pieces here, and I'd love to just get your your um, input on on how this feels for you and how you might inspire others as we're listening into this. So the declaration begins, Claire. It says, "We citizens of Earth." Unite in love and concern for our planetary home and all its inhabitants. We come together as one humanity across natural, national, cultural, and ideological boundaries to restore the well-being of all life on Earth. And this is one of my favorite pieces of the whole codes is that really it does come across all national, cultural, and ideological boundaries. It really dissolves all that and says, we're one humanity here to restore the well-being of all life. Do you want to just muse into that for a minute? Well, I mean, it takes me back into the fabric of creation. You know, it takes me back into our egos and then the truth. Our egos are struggling with differences. They're struggling with the differences in color and religion and sexuality. And they're struggling with them because we have had so much violence and atrocity and unforgivable subjugation and cruelty and judgment. Like the opposite of love, the opposite of I see you, I embrace you, I include you, you are me, we are one, we are all in this together. No, it's just if you're not this shape, this religion, this color, this sexuality, then you're out, you know, or you're in the way of the, um, the resources that I need. Therefore, I'm going to displace you. I'm going to whatever you. And so there is so much incredible harm done that has caused such scarring in so many ways that feel for so many impossible to recover from, which which bar us from acting like one human family that has shared goals and shared values and shared 
um, beliefs, you know, but there is a fundamental truth, no matter what the color of our skin, no matter what our sexual orientation, no matter what language we speak or whether we consider ourselves, you know, whatever, we're made of our planet and we cannot survive without our planet. We're made of our weather. We cannot survive without habitable weather. We're, you know, 75 plus percent water. We cannot survive with poisoned water. We cannot survive without our trees because they provide our water. You know, when you deforest a continent, the, the ocean starts to pull the liquid, the, 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 the water in the air off that continent. If you reforest that continent, the, the forests pull moisture from the sea. I mean, there are, there are so many ways in which our indivisibility from nature as a core truth is a unifying factor. Because we we are life, and if we if we don't want war, if we don't want people fighting over food and clean water, then we need to provide for everybody. We need to help our planet provide for everybody. Who doesn't want peace apart from the warmongers amongst us who want economies to be driven by war? Do the people want war? No. So why are we electing leaders? who make the most appalling choices just in order to experience power over, you know, but the, the pattern of power over is a reflection of disconnection due to woundedness that we just can't get over. It's like fundamental fear of intimacy. Mm. So I think it all, it all lies on our willingness to open our hearts beyond all the wrongs that have been done. Like we stand at this juncture point of are we going to continue persecuting, dominating and taking or are we going to finally like fall on our knees before the sacredness of all life and just say, I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go of, of, of all of the pains in myself that cause me to stay in separation, essentially in judgment, in judgment of others judgment that says I'll take care of myself but I won't take care of you because our world has this opportunity to reflect that code you know it has an opportunity to choose that code or that call or that invitation or whatever you say it but in reality we have so much judgment of each other and fear of each other to climb over before our human heart says yes I will do what's needed to bring us all into communion together so that we can do what's needed to create a world that can sustain all of us rather mm -hmm. than, well, they don't matter so long as our little bit over here can function, which is another reflection of not joined up thinking. If they don't matter over there, it's only going to be so long before they show up here anyway, because we've got the rest of the resources, except that we don't, we've already burnt through them and we're going everywhere else to, to steal theirs. So mm -hmm. I think there's a huge question of, the evolution of humanity's heart in order to move beyond the damage done and the judgment inflicted to move into a choice of intimacy. Like intimacy to me is like the opposite of judgment. Why do we judge? We judge to make ourselves above or below. Either way, we sever intimacy. We don't want to feel what's there. Like if we can feel the truth of our indivisibility from each other and life, then we've got a chance of creating that code of manifesting mm. that code. Yeah, beautiful. You know, that that 
embodied feeling response that you talk about of of the the human heart and and our wholeness, our interconnectedness, all everything that you're talking about. It's really important we have that embodied experience of this. So, um, but what you did say and what you did say um, was a really beautiful lead in as we're looking at the healing and the health. So the second piece of the declaration, we have two more. The second piece is we recognize that our personal collective and planetary health are all interconnected and interdependent. For humanity to thrive, the entire planetary ecosystem must thrive. Muse on that, Claire. I feel a little bit like I have been since we started the conversation because yeah. um, it there is nothing about that that isn't a fundamental truth. There is no there is no human health if we have no oxygen to breathe and no clean water to drink. I mean, you know, one of my dear friends, Polly Higgins, who died very fast um, earlier this year, is try was trying to create a law to stop ecocide, to make ecocide illegal. We live on a mm. planet where it is legal to trash entire ecosystems that poison everybody downstream that, you know, it's legal to go into the Amazon rainforest, which is the greatest rain creator on our planet, and not just deforest it, but go for gold there, fill the rivers with mercury, poison everything, poison all the people and the species, you know. It's, it's like, how is that legal? How how have we created a society where we are pouring bleach down sinks, where we are wearing clothes that require the death of half the ocean because it, we're poisoning it so much? Like, how is it even possible that we have normalized that? And yet we have, to the extent that we're now having to wake people up to the reality of, do you know how big that dead zone is? Do you know that 90% of all the fish in the ocean are gone? Do you know that 80 to 90% of our coral is dying? Are you aware of the fact that 75% of all life on planet is dead already? You know, and, and there's just a sort of a glazed look in response as if, you know, well, that's terribly, you know, why would you tell me that stuff? Well, because we're not going to have bees very shortly or because, you know, levels of autism are going through the roof because they're pouring metal from the sky. It's like nobody's joining up action and consequence and the action of how we're living being a reflection of the consciousness that we have, which is an inherited consciousness, which says we're separate from nature and we're not. You frack the planet, you fill the underground water that has been perfectly filtered with poison forever. You know, this, the only water that we have on this planet, which recycles on this planet that's been here since before the dinosaurs, it's the same water. Well, now we're deciding to poison. We're deciding to poison so much of it. And then we're wondering why cancer levels are going through the roof. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's bizarre insanity that we have normalized. And so, yeah, there is no such thing as personal health with a sick planet. And which is why now in England, I think it's one in two women have, have had cancer in their lives. Mm. I mean, 
the, the levels are going off the charts and we're creating that. Of course we are. And we could uncreate that, but we need to choose. Yeah, it's a choice. So you're going to love this next one as I drop this in. And it, it, for those with an indigenous ear, with with an appreciation for the indigenous, this makes sense. It's like, yes, it's the web of life. But for a lot of the Western mind, this one gets a little sticky. So, um, But a perfect expression of what you just said. We affirm that the only legitimate purpose of governance is to protect and cultivate the health and vitality of the planet and all its inhabitants for generations to come. What's sticky about that? Who would find that sticky? I mean, because yeah. what's the what's the opposite of that? We affirm that we're going to make money God on this planet. We're going to reduce every living thing to a resource to be plundered. We're going to ensure that there is no healthy future for our children. And then we're going to ensure that they look at us in 10 years time and they realize that they were not loved enough to be pro- to be provided for, that we put short-term convenience above every life on the planet, that we specifically went into the rainforests and into the tundra to trash those people that carry the knowledge and wisdom of how to live in relationship with this world because we didn't care enough to think beyond short-term convenience. But they prefer that one. Mm. I mean, yeah. (laughs) It's just really, really, is this the best that we can do? This is not the best that we can do. We have inherited an insane mindset that is an expression of a patriarchal dominance over life that only has one outcome. There's only one outcome to an economy that requires the death of nature in order to survive. And we're headed right there, right now. Mm. And that is why, the, to me, the true codes, the true codes are the ones that are encoded inside each of us because every filament of our physiology is created out of this living planet and the intelligence of this living planet. So we know exactly how to live in right, right relationship with life because we are life, because, it, because we are it. We are this planet. You know, people that say to me, oh, I don't support the environment. I just support health and education. And I just, you know, and I look at them and I go, you are the environment. You are the environment. Mm. Do you honestly think education and healthcare is going to exist on a, on a dead planet? What comes first, the environment or education? You know, your body or education? You know, our bodies, our planets, our souls come first. Everything else is window dressing. What you do with a living person, you can do with them, but they got to be alive first. So it's like the sacred law that, that we should be abiding by are the indigenous laws, the ones that would never have allowed us to create the system that we have that is tromping through nature and, and literally shredding the fabric of life. You know, there she is being raped and handing out cups of tea. And every now and then she's screaming as these storms just hound and batter us. And we're going, oh, look, another storm. We're getting used to it. We're the, you know, we're the toad in the pot of boiling water. Oh, look, another storm. Oh, look, another storm. You know, these storms see sharks swimming around inside people's sitting rooms or being picked up from waves and slammed through garden fences. They see not just trees bent over. They see the bark being stripped off trees. I mean, this is only going to get worse. How bad does it have to get before we wake up and go, 
oh my God, it's time to recreate ourselves completely. This is not what a human being is. This is not what a human species is. You know, they say that in our junk DNA, so-called junk DNA, is the DNA of every other living species on this planet. What if a human being was actually a reflection of every consciousness that's here, that we have the capacity to draw through the consciousness of every living thing, to live as a species whose purpose is to serve the web of life back into its fullness? What if that was what a human being actually was? Mm. Let's breathe into that. I, um, I'm, I'm going to sign up for that one, Claire. That's beautiful imagery. And yes, amen. Amen, sister. So I, I want to bring this into the more broader perspective of this gift that um, Together in Creations brought forward these codes for a healthy earth and that there are several things I appreciate about them. The, the simplicity and the coherence in every word of this document are so encouraging. The, the idea that it's designed in this way that really crosses national, cultural, and ideological boundaries. The whole notion that it's crafted for self-organizing that there yes there will be a platform to support all of our work as we're inspired by these codes but literally it becomes this collective compass that the the founders and creators co-creators of this are saying take this and use this as a compass and go change the world go do your part i'm wondering claire what for you maybe sticks out the most or has moved you the most or, or maybe excites you the most about this document emerging now on the planet that gives us this real coherent idea that the our internal codes need to match our external codes now. I think what I love about them, and as I said before we spoke, I'm very new to them, but I think what is beautiful not just the fact that they have been sourced through multiple consciousnesses, which I always find is gives them a resonance that is more likely to touch more people. But we stand right now in a gap. What, how we have lived is no longer working. We're still doing it. We're still trying to live this way, but it's, it's over. And so there is a gap of um, possibility. And in that possibility, there can only be an awakening, an awakening into what hasn't worked and an awakening into what could work. And so there is a profound moment within which a different value system can surface, you know, can surface what we would actually choose to be in alignment with rather than what we've just inherited or adopted. You know, something that we consciously live into rather than something that just we happen to become used to. Very, very big difference. And these codes are an expression of a value system that you would be very, very hard pushed to disagree with. And if you did disagree with them, then um, I think you'd have to say you were, uh, oh, I don't know, a polite word for it. And I'll probably be very un-PC if I say something. But, you know, you'd have to want to dominate, essentially. You'd have to want to dominate. You'd have to want to have power over greed for the sake of greed and destruction be your norm which is out there for a lot of people. 
you know, the military industrial complex um, is has a consciousness all of its own, which does not sit inside of this value system. Um, parts of it might say that they do, but I would have to largely disagree. Um, so here you have a template that anybody that is sort of floundering and waking up and going, what on earth do we do next? Like what could make sense? Here's something to live into. Here is something that you can study and read and feel for how, what of it resonates the tuning fork of your own truth. Because when you are presented with something that, that, that has fundamental truth in it and a fundamental kind of a, a call to a realignment between self and soul, which I believe this is, then that tuning fork, that sound, that tone, that frequency, that permission, that invitation can work its magic on you. So rather than sit there and flounder, you can present yourself with this thing and you can come into relationship with it and then see what arises through you. And in that, I think there is a huge value here. Mm. A call to a realignment between self and soul. How precious is that statement? Thank you so much for that, Claire. That was, ooh, wow. Okay, so this is a lot. There's so much more to be said. And um, I could have this conversation with you all day long. Claire, your your wisdom, your brilliance, your genius is um, clearly in such a coherent alignment with the greater whole. So thank you for that. In two minutes or less, what more would you like to say to our listeners today that maybe you didn't have an opportunity to say? Gosh, um, I would love to extend an invitation to everybody here to become a restorer. I would love to invite you, if you're not already, to discover what it feels like to have another quality of living root in your life, a root that arises because you are restoring the global forest. You know, if every single one of us is warming our world, which we do with every flick that we switch, you know, or switch that we flick, you know, if it's, if we're warming our world, we need to be cooling our world. And more than that, I'd love to offer you the invitation to step into different relationship with the forests, with the trees, and understand them as our closest possible companions understand that we cannot live without them. We cannot keep chomping through them. And it's not just the Amazon that's on fire. The Congo is on fire. Indonesia is on fire. Forests in the Siberia are on fire. There's fires in every forest around our world. We are losing our trees faster than we know what to do with at the exact time that we need them more than ever. So we are about to campaign in November. The campaign is called Grow Your Own Forest. And we want to help every family, every church, every business, every gathering, every concert, every festival, everywhere you go, everything you do, every product that you have, every business that you have, embed trees so that we can no longer take without giving back, so that consumption also includes restoration. There is a future out there where our whole patterns of consumption is forever changed. But while we make that transition, let's bring nature's face into everything that we do. And you can do that with Tree Sisters. That's what we're for. We're here to normalize reciprocity with social change and tropical reforestation. This is an opportunity to help your entire community wake up to what it means to become restorers. It's a glorious invitation. It, it's it's a privilege 
to restore our world. And it's also our role as stewards and custodians and creators of the next generation. If we are bringing children into this world, then we need to create a world that can sustain them. We cannot do that without the trees. So mm. please, in this moment, make the choice to become a restorer. And what that means is every month you give back. You think about what is the most you could possibly give, not what's the least, what's the most, what's an amount that actually draws your attention and your energy and your heart towards the forest and you start to give it. And we will plant trees for you across multiple different ecosystems. You will have your fingerprints on the lives of people in some of the poorest places in the world and you will be protecting endangered species and helping fish stocks because of mangroves. You will be doing so much good. Please bring that into your life as a core part of your life. Like the like. Like breathing, planting trees mm -hmm. needs to become part of the air that you breathe. Beautiful prescription. Thank you so much, Claire. I appreciate you being with us today. And listeners listening to that, um, wow, grow your own forest. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.